and welcome to episode 20 of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridan. In this episode, I continue my review of the 1928 booklet, The Seven Thunders of Millennial Dawn, by Methodist minister B.H. Shaddock. In 1926, Shaddock had proposed a public debate with the foremost proponents of Watchtower. However, they'd learned that he had in his possession earlier editions of the Millennial Dawn books by Charles Taze Russell, along with the later editions where Watchtower had changed the failed date predictions. Fearing that he would expose their jiggery-pokery, Watchtower refused to meet with Shaddock unless he put down a bond of $500, which he would forfeit if he used any of their literature against them. In the Seven Thunders booklet, there is a copy of the handwritten note from Watchtower that detailed the bond request. It reads as follows, that Mr. B. H. Shaddock, D.D., furnish a bond of $500 as a guarantee that he will not slander Pastor Russell during their debate or refer to any quotations contained in any periodical or book published by the International Bible Students Association. And if the Reverend B. H. Shaddock shall slander Pastor Russell or refer to any quotation or book published by the International Bible Students Association, he shall at once pay the sum of $500 to his opponent in this debate. Obviously, Shaddock refused these ridiculous terms, and the Seven Thunders was his written response. On page 5 of his booklet, Shaddock tells the history of the Watchtower movement and its relationship to Millerism in very accurate terms. In 1844, a cult under the leadership of William Miller announced the coming of the Lord in that year. Let it be said, to the credit of this earnest man, that when his prophecies utterly failed, he did not try to insert other dates and perpetuate the mistake as did Mr. Russell and his followers. That Mr. Russell was the successor of Mr. Miller and did continue the Miller movement in revised form, his followers vehemently deny. But I offer the testimony of these books to prove that Mr. Russell believed that he had discovered Mr. Miller's mistakes in that our Lord would come 30 years later and be invisible. Volume 3, page 86, says, We recognise that movement, Miller's, as being in God's order. This was undoubtedly of the Lord's providence. It was the beginning of the right understanding of Daniel's visions and at the right time to fulfil prophecy. Isn't it interesting that Shaddock identified Millerism as a cult? Yet he gave credit where credit was due insofar as William Miller, when his prediction for Christ's return in 1844 was found to be in error, he did not try to insert other dates and perpetuate the mistake. 
This is where Russell went wrong. He simply took Miller's 1844 date for the return of Christ and added 30 years to it. 1874 became the beginning of the Great Tribulation and Christ's return. Obviously nothing had happened in 1874 and so Russell claimed that Christ's return was invisible which meant it was unfalsifiable. It was also pretty darn hard to prove by any real facts. Instead, Russell used a number of convoluted calculations based on obscure portions of the Bible, as well as measurements of the Great Pyramid of Giza. On page 17, under the heading Changing the Pyramid, Shaddock makes this observation. In the early edition of Volume 3, page 342, certain measurements of the Great Pyramid are given. We are told that these are the very accurate measurements made by Professor Smythe in 1872. As a guarantee that Professor Smythe was unquestioned authority, the letters FRSE and FRAS follow his name and Mr. Russell adds his own assurance that this pyramid witness fully corroborates the Bible. From one point to another in one passage of the pyramid, the distance is given as 3,416 inches. Mr. Russell says these inches symbolise years that start with 1542 B.C., and adds, Thus, the pyramid witnesses that the close of 1874 was the chronological beginning of the time of trouble, such as was not since there was a nation, no, nor ever shall be afterward. In the volume given me after the World War began, the prophecy is made to fit the event, though the books carried a publisher's date prior to 1914. I have explained elsewhere that changes have evidently been made in the books without disturbing the publisher's date. In the later edition, we have the same assurance that the measurements were very accurate, were made in 1872, and were corroborated by the Bible. There is not a hint that any error has been discovered. But the number of inches between the given points is changed to 3,457. Mr. Russell is made to say, thus the pyramid witnesses that the close of 1914 will be the beginning of the time of trouble, such as was not since there was a nation, no nor ever shall there be afterward. Amazing. So when the World War broke out in 1914, because this seemed to fit the Great Tribulation better than 1844, the book was altered from 1844 to 1914. But the publication date in the front of the book was still displayed as pre-1914, thus making it look like Russell had predicted the First World War. Very sneaky, and even sneakier, 
41 inches were added to the length of the passages in the pyramid to make the calculations still work. Shaddock could see these dishonest changes because he had two versions of the Millennial Dawn volume, but anyone with just the later version would have thought Russell had predicted the First World War. It's not dissimilar to what Watchtower did in 1989 when they changed the bound volume text of a previously released Watchtower, predicting that the preaching work would be completed in our 20th century to in our day. Returning to the thought that the Bible students were a cult, on page 6 under the heading Are the Followers of Russell a Sect?, Shaddock writes, It seems to hurt the feelings of the followers of Russell to call them a sect or speak of them as his followers. And as I would not be charged with discourtesy, I refer them to page 84, 126 and 142 in volume 7, where occur the expressions Pastor Russell's followers, followers of Pastor Russell, and a follower of the reformer, Charles T. Russell. They have named themselves International Bible Students Association and insist that they differ from sects because they go by the Bible. They think this ought to settle it. Now, it would be a remarkable coincidence if all of these people in many lands, by independent Bible study, arrived at an understanding that many dreadful events would occur before 1914, and then the same people, by independent study, discovered that they had miscalculated and that the correct date was 1915, and later on discovered it was 1918, and still later found it was 1925, and not one of the dates proved correct. It would be amazing if going by the Bible would convince all these people that certain measurements in the Great Pyramid proved that the world's great trouble would begin in 1874, and then, by the same independent Bible study, find that the same pyramid shows that the trouble was to start in 1914. Would not such remarkable agreement in making mistakes suggest that they are a Russell Students Association? One of the definitions Jehovah's Witnesses use to define cults is that they follow a human leader. Although Jehovah's Witnesses claim to follow only Jesus as their leader, that really isn't true. Just as Shaddock noted back in 1928, the Bible students, and it's the same for Jehovah's Witnesses today, followed men. The only difference is back then they followed one man, and now they follow eight in the form of the governing body. Witnesses may object but objecting doesn't change the facts. When you read quotations such as this one in the Watchtower November 15th, 2013, page 20, it becomes very clear that Jehovah's Witnesses do indeed follow human leaders. It reads, All of us must be ready to obey any instructions we may receive, whether these appear sound from a strategic or human standpoint or not. Now, they may argue that the instructions are coming from God, but that just makes it worse. That means the governing body is presuming to speak for God, which, when you take into account that their end-time predictions have continually failed, 
makes them a false prophet. Shadok makes a very interesting point when he notes that Watchtower's doctrines couldn't have been true because if they were, multiple people and groups around the world would have come to similar conclusions and made similar mistakes. Obviously, there are some early links to Millerism because that's where Barber and later Russell got their ideas from. But beyond that, no other group in the world, as far as I'm aware of, has ever agreed with Jehovah's Witnesses' date predictions. 1878, 1881, 1914, 1925, 1975 are all unique beliefs. And they are unique because they're not only wrong, but not what any honest Bible reader would conclude unless they It reminds me of Daniel 11 verse 14 which says that ones among God's people would be carried along to try making a vision come true but they will stumble. The point Shaddock is making is that Watchtower even back in 1928 was a cult with a human leader and very strange ideas. Nothing has changed. As the years progressed after Rutherford, Nor, and Franz Watchtower swapped its prominent president for a governing body. But all they've done is give themselves eight human leaders to idolise. And they do. The governing body today is viewed as God's spokesperson on earth, as the faithful and discreet slave appointed by Jesus in 1919, and as an unquestionable source of truth. This is not unlike the obsession with Russell back in the day. Volume 7 of Millennial Dawn really highlights this. Russell's name is mentioned 232 times in the finished mystery alone, a point Shaddock picks up on on page 6 of his booklet. How similar that is to the way today the governing body are promoted. When I was a Jehovah's Witness, I would sometimes count the number of times the governing body or faithful and discreet slave were mentioned in talks at the meeting. Then I would compare it to the number of times Jesus was mentioned. It was so clear that the governing body was viewed as the authority. This for a group claiming to follow Jesus, not human leaders. The Seven Thunders notes that the finished mystery published after Russell's death applies much of Revelation to Russell. Russell is interpreted to be an angel in heaven offering incense in Revelation 8 verse 3. He is the seventh angel in chapter 10, the man in linen in Ezekiel's prophecy and the loud voice in Revelation 10 verse 3 16 verse 1 and 18 verse 2. Today, Jehovah's Witnesses apply the latter verses to Jesus, Jehovah and an angel in heaven respectively. They will say it was new light that led them to this clarified belief. But Shaddock, a Methodist minister, was questioning their application to Russell all the way back in 1928 He wrote on page 7 of the Seven Thunders, Not only is Mr. Russell identified as the angel or angels who appeared to the Apostle John, but he is said to be the loud voice of Revelation 10 verse 3, 
the great voice of Revelation 16 verse 1 and the strong voice of Revelation 18 verse 2. If the reader will read these portions of Revelation and see that these voices are ascribed to the Lord Jesus in the first, from within the temple in the second, and an angel of great power in the third reference, he may decide how near this comes to blasphemy. It's very clear when reading the finished mystery that although credited on page 144 as a posthumous work of Pastor Russell, it was really nothing of the sort. It was pieced together by his admirers using some of his unfinished study notes. Russell's colleagues Clayton J. Woodworth and George H. Fisher wrote most of the book and it was edited by none other than Russell's successor, J.F. Rutherford. Yet it was claimed to be channeled from Russell himself from beyond the veil. How that worked is anyone's guess. Ironically, page 5 of the Finnish mystery claims that Pastor Russell was a man of unusual modesty. So modest it would seem that he felt the need to mention his own name 232 times and apply scriptures about Jesus, God and the angels to himself. On page 7 of the Seven Thunders, Shaddock notes how the finished mystery claimed that in 1878, the stewardship of the things of God, the teachings of Bible truths, was taken from the clergy, unfaithful to their age-long stewardship, and given to Pastor Russell. In 1881, Russell became, according to the finished mystery, God's watchman for all Christendom. It's much the same today with the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses. At one time, they applied the faithful and discreet slave to all anointed Christians on earth. But since 2012, they've assumed that role themselves. They now view themselves as the steward, and as Geoffrey Jackson proclaimed during the Australian Royal Commission investigation into organisational child abuse, Guardians of Doctrine or G-O-D, for short. On page 20 of The Seven Thunders, Shaddock poses the question, Was Mr. Russell sincere? This is what he wrote. There is a proneness in human nature to maintain and justify an untenable position rather than admit defeat. There may be an unconscious dishonesty in the labouring of a zealot to bolster up a discredited movement. I believe Mr. Russell thought he was sincere. It would have been eternally to his credit if, when his prophecies of visible events utterly failed, he had confessed the unreliability of all his unique interpretations of the Bible. As it was, it was a bitter pill to swallow when the events of 1914 mocked his soothsayings and marked him as the champion wrong guesser of the centuries. Doubtless he was willing to save his doctrines with as little confession of error as possible. 
if you were to take this 93-year-old quotation and replace Mr. Russell for Stephen Lett or Anthony Morris III or David Splain or you get the point, it would highlight the exact same problem that exists with the governing body today. Are they sincere? I don't know. They may think they are sincere, but one thing is certain, they are continuing to bolster up a discredited movement. And that, as Shaddock notes, takes some level of dishonesty, if only on an unconscious level. I believe the governing body should come clean. They should throw up their hands and admit that their unique interpretations of the Bible are simply false. 1914 is wrong. 1919 is wrong. The application of the faithful and discreet slave to themselves is wrong. There's no overlapping generation that will by no means pass away. They are not appointed or anointed by anyone other than themselves and the organisation that continues to maintain and justify an untenable position rather than admit defeat. They have become the champion wrong guessers of the 21st century and as time passes more and more people are realising this and just walking away from Jehovah's Witnesses. Meanwhile, the governing body will, no doubt, continue to try to save their false doctrines with as little confession of error as possible. Now, diehard Jehovah's Witnesses will say, you're just being negative. We don't teach 1925 anymore. God has refined us. But that's not the point. The point is that Watchtower, from the outset, was a cult with a human leader giving false prophecies. He may have been admired, even worshipped by his followers, but as Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20, be on the watch for the false prophets. By their fruits you will recognise them. A good tree cannot bear worthless fruit, nor can a rotten tree produce fine fruit. Shaddock showed the watchtower tree to be rotten from the beginning. Nothing true could ever come from it because it was built on lies. In recent years, the governing body has made attempts to distance itself from Russell, saying now that he was never part of the faithful and discreet slave. And yet, in the 2021 annual meeting, it was stated that Russell, even after his death, was helping to direct the organisation, an organisation that continues to teach a failed 1914 doctrine as the very basis for their end-time predictions. There's really no way to present the Watchtower's dodgy origins in anything but a negative light, not if honesty is important to a person. As Shaddock highlighted 93 years ago, Watchtower was and still is, a cult. Its leader was a false prophet, just as the governing body is today, and its teachings were, and still are, unscriptural. That's all for this time. Thank you for listening again. 
Join me next time as I consider in more detail the numerous changes that were made to the Millennial Dawn books to hide Russell's errors. <laughs>